Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Visual Politic Podcast, where we take our videos from YouTube and we make them nicely accessible in a podcast format. In this one today, we're talking about, well, the title explains it. The title on YouTube was, Would You Buy This Maiden Rwanda Motorcycle? So... It's about economy in Africa and manufacturing and all of that good stuff. It originally went out on the 16th of July, 2019 on our YouTube channel. Fairly evergreen, though, whenever you're listening to this, unless you're listening to it really far in the future. Uh, but for now, as always, I'm going to jump in and uh, explain anything that needs explaining, if there are any charts or anything that worked great on the YouTube channel. But obviously, charts in podcasts aren't so effective. And let's get into it. India is the world's largest movie producer. We've all heard of Bollywood, but let me ask you a question. What's the second largest movie producer? What comes after India? The answer is Nigeria. Yep, I'm sure almost nobody guessed that right. But my dear viewers, so-called Nollywood produces more titles a year than Hollywood itself. But of course, nobody knows this because Africa is the forgotten continent. African politics and economics hardly appear in the newspapers. And this is why we can say that Africans are witnessing a silent miracle. Until the 2000s, this region, it seemed completely doomed. But since the beginning of the new century, Africans have tripled their income. Countries like Ethiopia are growing at a rate of 10% year after year. And I know what you're going to tell me. You're going to say, well, come on, Simon, these are just statistics. Is life really changing for the average African? Look, if you're expecting to see skyscrapers and caravans of BMWs on the streets of Nairobi, then yes, you are going to be disappointed. We're not there yet. In fact, there are still regions of the continent stuck in extreme poverty. That would be the case with the People's Republic of Congo and the Central African Republic. But other regions are improving. For example, Addis Ababa, the Ethiopian capital, is starting to get some supermarkets. This might seem like a rather trivial thing to you, but it's a giant step if you remember that 30 years ago, the whole country was going through one of the worst famines in history. But hold on a minute, because there's even more. We are starting to see how African companies are expanding internationally. For example, Ethiopian Airlines or MPESA, a mobile phone payment platform. So now you might be wondering, why is Africa growing like this? What has changed in the continent? And the answer is clear, and that's peace. You see, the first requirement for a country to develop is not to have to fight in wars. After that, we can discuss political systems, tax policies, or whatever. But a society that lives on a battlefield can hardly prosper. But now things are starting to change. Is that true, Zander? Absolutely, Simon. For decades, Africa was a really violent continent. Wars for independence, tribal clashes, and genocide. Today, while violent conflicts do still exist around the continent from Libya to the Sahel to the Democratic Republic of Congo, the conflicts are less frequent or at least smaller in scale. For example, in the year 1990, an average of 45 per 100,000 Africans died in violent conflicts. Today, this figure has dropped to about 8 per 100,000. And of course, this has helped encourage trade and foreign investment, especially from China. Nevertheless, as we said before, there is still a lot of work to be done. Africa is far from being a prosperous region. They need to take the next step. And well, what's that? Well, that would be industrialization. So far, Africa remains a rural continent. Except for a few exceptions, everything you can buy in Africa is a raw material. And it's hard to grow a modern economy based on agriculture and mining. So this is the context in which this news takes place. 
from Fortune. The largest free trade deal in nearly a quarter century seeks to make Africa a single market. Yep, you heard that right. The goal of this treaty is to make an African version of the European single market, which was the seed for what we know of today as the European Union. Since May the 30th, 2019, this treaty has been a reality. We're talking about 52 countries who have signed it. In fact, only Benin, Nigeria, and Eritrea have refused to enter the so-called AF-CFTA, or just CFTA. So now the question is, can this treaty change things, or is it just a bunch of nice words? Can a free trade agreement really improve lives in Africa? And why doesn't Nigeria, the country with the largest African economy, want to sign it? Well, today we're going to answer all of these questions, but before we do, let's take a look back at the history. No industry. When we talk about Africa, we should remember one thing. 55 countries, 1.3 billion people. We shouldn't really talk about Africa like it's a country. Then again, there is one thing that most of the African countries have in common, their colonial past. Most of these nations have been independent for less than 50 years, and believe me, they still maintain their bonds with their previous colonizers. In many ways, the idea of independence is kind of a delusion. Look, in a normal country, the main trading partner is that country's neighbors. America trades with Mexico, and Canada, France trades with Germany, Germany trades with the Netherlands, but African countries are different animals in this regard. For example, Ivory Coast is neighboring Ghana and Liberia, but who is Ivory Coast's main trading partner? Nope, it's not either of their neighbors. Their main trading partner is the Netherlands and France, which, surprise, surprise, is its former colonizer. So shown on the screen now is a list of the Ivory Coast's top five trading partners, which are the Netherlands at 15%, the US at 12 France at 9 and Germany and Belgium, which both make up 7.1% each. And of course, this trend is changing, but not in the way you might expect. If you've been following visual politics for a long time, you already know that China has been increasing its sway in Africa over the past several years. And it's not only the Asians that are playing a role here. Just look at this news. From the Africa Report. China's coming slowdown opens doors to expanding African trade with India. But not only that, over the last 15 years, trade with Africa has tripled with other countries like Turkey and Indonesia. Today, Asia represents 45% of the African foreign trade. Europe is 30%. So as you can see, there's only a little share for inter-African trade. And I know what you're thinking right now. You're probably thinking, eh, so what? I mean, don't we live in a globalized economy? I mean, what's the problem with trading with Asia or Europe? Well, it is a problem. Think about it. What does Europe or Asia buy from Africa? Yep, you guessed it, raw materials like oil, gas, gold, and uranium. In other words, everything except manufactured goods. And there is a good reason for this. Let's look at an example. Rwanda Motorcycle Company was born in 2017. They manufacture low-cost motorbikes. Would you buy one of those? Probably not. Their bikes are no match for a Suzuki or a Honda, so Asian and European countries tend to not opt for a Rwandan model when they could have a Japanese or American one instead. So where could Rwandan motorcycles find a market? Of course, that's in other African countries. In fact, Africa is a great place for them because there are almost no competitors. If you live in Congo, good luck finding a BMW shop to buy a bike from. So in many countries, these Rwandan entrepreneurs have a big blue ocean of market opportunities to exploit. 
Shown on the screen now is a chart from the UNCTAD of the trade structure, manufacturers versus primary sector for Africa, where inter Africa trade is made up of 45.5% manufacturers and 54.5% primary sector, and the rest of the world is only 13% manufacturers and 87% primary sector. This explains why, despite African countries trading so little with each other, most of the things they trade are manufactured goods. In other words, if Africa wants to have industry, they need to trade with each other more. So well, what's the problem here? The problem is that things in Africa are never easy, and trade is harder than anything. There are lots of tariffs and lots of bureaucracy that makes it almost impossible for local companies to cross borders. If you want to send your Rwandan motorcycle to neighboring Congo, you'll have to pay tariffs up to 20%, but you'll also have to bribe the guard at customs, otherwise your merch could be waiting there for months. Add to this the insecurity, the gangs, and the warlords that are still present in many regions, and you've got a bit of a problem. Don't forget that just a few years ago, many of these countries were killing each other's citizens. So again, a bike manufacturer in Rwanda can hardly survive with as small and poor a market as the local one. If they want to survive, they need to expand to their neighbors. In other words, protectionism is making it almost impossible for Africa to develop. But pay attention now, because this might actually change. African Union. Blood Diamond is a Hollywood movie that talks about how we can end up killing each other just for some precious minerals. The conclusion of this movie is that the West just wants Africa's resources and nothing more. Presented with this situation, many might think that Africans can't get themselves together and they need a good old Western helping hands. But of course, this is visual politic and, you know, we think differently. has been written by others. We need to own our problems and solutions and write our story. Paul Kagame. Paul Kagame is the Rwandan president. In a previous video, we told you about his light side and his dark side. His model country is Singapore, so you can imagine that he's not a big fan of democracy or human rights. But from an economic point of view, he has become an African champion for prosperity. The thing is, apart from governing Rwanda, Kagame is also the president of the African Union. This organization was created in 2001, inspired by the European Union. Their big dream is to turn Africa into a single market, just like Europe, and so far, it does seem like they're achieving their goal. From China Daily. Africa's free trade area comes into fourth with Gambia's ratification. Yes, dear viewer, this is the CFTA that I mentioned earlier in this video, the African Continental Free Trade Agreement. Their ultimate goal is to have a common currency for the whole continent, something similar to the euro, but in Africa. We might have to wait 15 or 20 years to witness this, but they are trying very hard. Hold on a minute, because not everything is sunshine and rainbows. As we always say, the devil is indeed in the details. You see, in this world, we have free trade agreements, and then we have free trade agreements. An example of the latter would be Mercosur. Mercosur was born in order to create free trade in South Africa. Has it worked? Well, the answer is no. The countries who signed this document were not willing to cede sovereignty. Nobody was willing to remove tariffs and let their local 
companies compete with foreign ones. The Mercosur Treaty is full of exceptions. Yes, it has nice words in it, but when you look at the reality, you realize that the trade between its members hasn't really increased. Something similar could happen with the African Free Trade Area. For example, the main African economies, South Africa and Nigeria, are not big fans of this. South Africa signed it at the last minute, but Nigeria, well, this is what Nigeria said. From Vanguard. CFTA. I won't allow Nigeria to be a dumping ground. Mohamedou Buhari, President of Nigeria. Basically, many governments are reluctant to lose control of the small industries they already have. Besides, their main income is what they collect in tariffs. Don't forget that in a country like Nigeria, there is no big and regulated job market, so it's hard to collect income tax. In most cases, African governments get their money from the only thing they can control, and that's foreign trade. But there is more to this. The CFTA treaty generates as many doubts as it does hope. You see, a treaty like this usually takes decades to negotiate. This one, it was done in only four years. And in their desire to have as many countries as possible, they've left lots of things off of the negotiation table. The final document is vague and generic. It doesn't say anything clear about competition clauses, investments, or intellectual property rights. There is no list of what goods you can trade freely and which ones will be protected. In theory, they have committed to removing tariffs on 90% of the products over the next decade, but of course, governments can push the most important goods inside of that 10%. So if you only liberalize trade on the goods that you don't actually sell, then you don't really have free trade. But hold on a second, because there are many, many more problems. Of course, the CFTA would be wonderful as a way to incentivize the emergence of new industries. But so far, Africa relies heavily on agriculture. And what do African farmers think? Well, many of them are not exactly happy. From Bloomberg. Smugglers thrive as Nigeria tries to keep foreign rice away. In this case, Nigeria is afraid of neighboring Benin. Benin has become a big importer of Thai rice. Apparently, Thai rice is high quality and affordable. If Nigeria suddenly opens trade with Benin, its local rice producers might have a hard time. And this is where the big time dilemma comes in. Should we risk the agriculture that we have already in exchange for would-be brand new industries, or do we just leave everything as it is? And this is the real debate. According to the United Nations, if the CFTA turns out the way it was meant to, inter-African trade could grow 52% in the year 2022. This is only three years after the year that we made this video. But of course, if the member countries keep adding exceptions and mistrusting each other, we could end up with a Mercosur kind of thing. In other words, our friends from the Rwandan Motorcycle Company would keep struggling to open markets elsewhere. And remember, with no market, there is no industry at all. So the question now goes to you. Do you think the CFTA will go in a European Union-like direction, or will it go with a more Mercosur style? Also, should Nigeria sign it? Will we witness the industrialization of the African continent? So I really hope you found that episode interesting. If you did, please consider leaving us a review. Five stars is preferred, but you can give us a worse review if you like. Though, why did you listen to the end then? Uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, it would be awesome of you. We appreciate it. I'll be back with another episode real soon. And thank you for listening.